to him. Galatians chapter 3, we left off last week. The Apostle Paul was asking questions to the church there at Galatia. He, he's asked the Christians at, at Galatia there, he said, Who is it that has bewitched you? Who is it that has lied to you? Who is it that has come in and led you astray? And then he reminds them of Jesus Christ crucified among you. In verse number 2, he asks them about their salvation. He says, This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says, I got a question for you. Let's talk about your salvation. Let's talk about where it came from. How is it that, that you got saved? See, that is, that is the great divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul asked him point blank, which is it? How is it that you got saved? Was it by the law or was it by grace? See, the law says you have to do. Grace says it's already done. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. The law says you have to try, but grace says all you have to do is trust. The, the law says this is how you have to act, but grace says this is what you need to believe. It, it's all right there for us. The, the law points to the commandments, but grace points to Jesus Christ and to the, the precious blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. And the law points out the, 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 what it is that, that we have to do. But grace points out what it is that's already been done for us. See, the, the weakness of the law, somebody, somebody will be able to say amen. The weakness of the law is our flesh. The wonder of grace is the Holy Spirit inside of us. Here, here, here's the weakness of the law. The law cannot produce life. Only life can produce life. Dr. John Phillips talks about a renowned scientist by the name of Louis Pasteur. It says he stated that the law of biogenesis is clear. There can be no life without life. He held up a sterilized, sealed flask in front of his students in, in his college classroom. And he said, this flask is devoid of life. And nothing can change that. You can keep it for 100 years. You can beg. You can plead. You can proclaim life to come to it. But even in its humblest form, no life will ever come to this flask. Because only life can produce life. God produced life. Sin produced death. Jesus Christ produced life on the other side of the grave. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The, the, the rebirth of, of the Holy Spirit that is within us, that produced life that has no end. There are, there are just two or three people that remember it every year and sent me happy birthday January the 5th, whatever day, that was one day this week, that wasn't so long ago, but it is a reminder, because January 5th is my birthday, but it's not the day when I was born, it's the day when I was reborn. It's the day of my rebirth. January 5th is my birthday that has no end. It, it is when all sins were washed away, old things passed away, all things became new and, and, and eternal. That, that is, that is the, the rebirth, and it is the rebirth of the Holy Spirit that produced life within us, a life that has no end. Jesus came that we might have life because only life 
can produce life. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, and you guys, it's Wednesday night, you're, you're Bible students, and you're here for a reason, so you know the story. I won't go off over there, but Jesus, when that rich young ruler came, he, he pointed out the commandments to him, and he pointed out the law, and, he, and, and the, the rich young ruler, the, the young man, somewhat in his arrogance, if you would, certainly with his own self-confidence, he said, I've kept all those things. Since my youth, I've, I've kept the law. I didn't steal. I haven't done the things that you just named off. I've been a keeper of the law. But here's the truth. That young man was not saved, and he knew it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been coming to Jesus asking the question, what is it that I lack? What is it that I'm missing? I've kept the law, but I still, I still yearn for something. I've tried keeping the law, but I'm, but I'm still missing something. What is it that, that I'm lacking? So even though he had kept the law, at least to his own satisfaction, Jesus pointed out that he had never kept the, the spirit of the law. And, and he, the Bible says that he went away sad. See, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't willing to exchange his worldly life for the life that God had planned. He wasn't willing to exchange his worldly riches for the riches that God had planned. His worldly pleasures, we know that he was very wealthy. He is the rich young ruler, hint, rich. He's very wealthy. He had a lot of stuff on this earth with all my heart, with all my heart. Had he done what Jesus said and, and, and went and gave the stuff away, I don't think he could have gave it all away. I think God would have continued to give it back. And the more he tried to give away, the more God would give back. But he, God couldn't give him anything because his hands were already full. And he wasn't willing to let go of the things of this world to hold on to the things of God. But, but the rebirth, when we're born again, that, that is to let go of the things of the world that, that we might be born again. In grace, we, we surrender our life. We exchange our old life. We exchange the, the, the life that, in all honesty, causes nothing but problems. We exchange the life that causes to sin, one sin after another sin after another. It, it is the, the, the life, the one that kept us away from the things of God, that, that sin-cursed life. Now, in grace, we, we are to exchange that life for an eternal life through the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing, now that, now, that, now that we're Christians, now that we've been redeemed, name written in the blood, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're able to stand on this side of Calvary and look back over to that guy, praise God, he's dead and gone. He no longer exists. I, I, on the one hand, I wish I could forget him and, and, know, and never know all the things that he did, but on the other hand, I'm glad that I can't forget him because it reminds me of what grace really looks like. It reminds me of how amazing mercy truly is in my life. So on the one hand, I wish I could forget it, but isn't it amazing as Christians that, that when we look back at, at that old life that, that we exchanged for this life, why would we even want it back? I was thinking about that. Why was it so hard to give up? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know when you were lost and before you got saved? Anybody know how far you ran? How long you ran? How much you fought it? 
how much you, you didn't want people inviting you to church. You didn't want people telling you about Jesus. You don't want people telling you about the Bible. We, we, we fought against it. And remember how hard it was until we, we finally got saved? Why? What, what was there, when you look back at it now, what was there that we wanted to hold on to? That's how convincing Satan is. That's how convincing the lies of the world is. And that's what was a rich young ruler's problem. He, he was holding on to the lies of the world. And the devil had that grip on him that, that he had to have all of that stuff. And, and, and now, now we, we plead with lost people every day who aren't willing to give up that old sin-cursed life for a new life, a better life, a, a, an eternal life. When we, when we talk to the lost, they're exactly where we were. They don't want to hear it. You talk to your blue in the face and you try to tell them, you try to tell them about the goodness of God and you try to tell them things and they, they, they simply don't want to hear it. They're holding on. The Bible says, if such were some of ye, well, if such were all of ye. We, we, we were all there and, and, and we talk and, and, and they want to hold on to that old sin-cursed life when all they have to do is exchange it by grace, for a brand new life. Now, if, if doing the law, if keeping the law, performing, doing your best to keep the law, if that could get you saved, then Jesus Christ would have met, the, would have met Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus to congratulate him. If keeping the law could get you saved, then when Jesus met Saul, he came to tell him what a good job he's doing. Because he was doing everything he could to keep the law. He was doing everything he could to be Pharisee of Pharisees, to, to be the man. I mean, he was trying to be the one. I don't know, maybe he had his sights set on becoming high priest over all of them. But one thing about it, he was doing everything he could to keep the law. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the law is weak through the flesh. Jesus told Nicodemus, John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. See, the, the same law of, of biogenesis that applies to physical life that, that the scientist was talking about applies to the spiritual life. Now, what the Old Testament does give us, it does give us a code of conduct. It, it does give us some, some advice. It, it gives us some, some, con, some, some direction on how we should act. It gives us some direction on how we, to, how we ought to pray. Those things didn't go away. Again, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He didn't take it away. He fulfilled the law. But as I said last week, he fulfilled the law because he is the law. The, the law is him. He is the perfection of the law. So if we are Christian, Christ-like, Christ in us, filled with the Holy Spirit, then it is our desire to keep the law. That's not our salvation. That's our heart's desire. I don't want to sin because Christ lives in me and, and I understand the separation. I understand that feeling. I understand how the Holy Spirit convicts. We want to try to do things right, but not so that we can be saved, but because we are saved. But because the Holy Spirit lives, lives within us. So <laughs> what, what grace does is it 
removes the Old Testament sacrifices. You know, they, they had to be offered over and over and over and over and over. It was rams and lambs and sheep and just the, the continual sacrifice. And, and it removed that. And grace does what the law could never do. It made us all one. Not just all in here, but Jew and Gentile alike. Jew and Gentile was completely different in the Old Testament. It was separate. It was God's chosen people. It was the Gentile. They, they were offensive to the Jews. They were just dogs. Common. Anybody that wasn't a Jew was just common trash. But through the blood of Jesus, because of grace, we, we all became one. So Saul puts it plain and simple here in his letter. He, he writes to him, he says, you tell me, you tell me, how did you receive your salvation? Was it by your works of the law or was it by grace? See, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you do it by trying or did you do it by trusting? Remember, this is after he just questioned them. Who is it that bewitched you? Who is it that has deceived you? Who just pulled you in? And this is a follow-up question. The, the Holy Spirit can't be acquired by works done in the flesh, not, not even works of the law. The Holy Spirit is only acquired or only received by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul preached to him when he was there. That's what Paul preached when he went to Galatia. That's what Paul preached when he went throughout the regions. He preached grace. He preached mercy. He preached the Holy Spirit. He preached forgiveness of sin. That is why they're converts, because they trusted in what he said. And Christ is their personal Lord and Savior. And, and now, now what Paul preached to them in, in the first place, he, he's, he's back asking them, who is it that bewitched you and led you astray? What, what, I'm, what I'm telling you now is the same thing that I taught you then. So Paul's just reminding them of the things that they already know. Kind of what Tim just said. She, she's saying things that's already said. They know because Paul told them. He's just, he just reminding them. You, you and I are no different. We're, we're just people. We're, we're, we're people just like them. And if, if we don't keep ourselves in prayer, if we don't keep ourselves in the Word of God, then we can easily be led astray. Remember, I think it was last week that we talked about the slow drift. That's how the devil works, just the slow drift. It's just a little step. It's not the come in and, hey, let's just blow everything. Let's just get out of church. Let's just, let's just stop everything. That's not the way the devil works. It's just start praying a little less and a little less until you're not praying. And start reading the Bible a little less and a little less until you're not reading the Bible. And it's that, that slow drift. That's, that's the thing that pulls it away. So Paul says in verse number three, he says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? In our good old southern slang, what he says is, how can you be so foolish? Remember, it hadn't been too long back. I don't know. I don't remember Sunday morning. I, I, I don't remember if it was Wednesday night. I'm pretty sure it was here. I don't know. Um, I've been studying for messages to preach in Costa Rica. They all, they all start running. They're, they're all messages, and they're all about the same thing. But at some point in here, remember when we talked about the metamorphosis of the butterfly? That was in here, right? Was that a Wednesday night or Sunday morning? We don't know. That's okay. We know one thing. We talked about the butterfly. 
we, we talked about that, that metamorphosis of, of the butterfly and how he was this one thing in this caterpillar that we really didn't pay a lot of attention to. But, but now through a rebirth, the butterfly became something totally different. Now, after the transformation, how foolish would it be for the butterfly to continue to crawl around on the ground and eat the leaves of the plant? He now has the ability to fly and to add beauty and, and to take nectar, to take pollen from flowers. And he no longer has, how foolish would it be after this rebirth with this new life, how foolish would it be to go back and try to live the old life, to, to hang on to the things that, that he's been born beyond? See, that, that's what Paul says here. You've been, set, you've been set free by the Spirit of God. You, you've been washed in the blood. You're a new creature in Christ. Everything about you is different. You're redeemed by the Lamb. Why would you go back to the law? You're living under grace. Why would you go back to the confinements of the law? He says in verse number four, Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. Now, the Christians at Galatia have obviously suffered a lot of persecution. Now, we know for sure, remember when we studied in the Acts of the Apostles, we know that the Apostle Paul suffered great persecution throughout all the region here at, at Galatia. We know that the Jews became his mortal enemy. If you remember from the study through Acts, they followed him from city to city. He would, he'd get run out of one, he'd leave, and within two days they would show up in another one, and they, they traced him all over the place, persecuting him, <coughs> accusing him, beating him. They even, they even stoned him at Lystra and, and left him for dead. And, and nowhere in our study did it mention the other Christians being persecuted, but Paul just did. See, here's what we can know. Paul ain't the only one being persecuted. Christians were being persecuted. Paul's what the story was about. Paul, Paul's the one that, that, that we get, but, but it is obvious by what Paul says that the Christians would have been persecuted the same way. So what we can know is that it was the Judaizers, the ones who were trying to keep the circumcision, the ones who were trying to keep the law, it would have been them that was persecuting the Christians. So, so basically Paul says to, to be a butterfly and, and to try to go back and to continue to crawl like a caterpillar is the height of foolishness. Do you suffer in vain as a Christian just to fall back into their trap? That there's nothing there to gain and there's everything there to lose. Freedom comes in Christ and Christ alone. Then, then Paul brings the, the miracles to remembrance in verse number five. He says, he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you. Doeth it he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, remember, Paul is one of the apostles, right? He has seen Jesus Christ face to face. He is appointed. He is one of the apostles, which means Paul has apostolic powers. And the apostles, the apostles were given great powers. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. That, that's what Jesus commissioned them for. And so, so they, the apostles had, had great power. And it is obvious that, that Paul had, has gone out and, and that he's done a lot of miracles. And they themselves have witnessed them. Acts chapter 14, verse 6, we saw where it says, They were of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, 
and unto the region that lieth round about. That's Acts chapter 14. Verse number 7 says, There they preached the gospel. There said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on my feet. And he leaped up and walked. See, here's Lystra, Derbe, Lyconia, Pamphylia, Pisidian, Antioch, Lycia. All, all of those are regions of Galatia. All of those are in Galatia. And the church at Galatia is who Paul is, is talking to here. So he asked him the question, you saw the miracles? You, you, you saw them for yourself? You witnessed them? How were they done? Were they done through the works of the law? Or were they done through faith? So, so Paul is reminding these Christians here at Galatia that the, the Christian life is a supernatural life. Amen. That's kind of like, ah, isn't it? We, we are in a supernatural life. The, the Christian life is, is, is that life that, that is born of the Spirit. It, it's no longer just, just the flesh. It, it, it's the will of God. It's not the works of man. The, the only explanation for the Christian life is God. The only explanation is God's word, Jesus Christ, shed blood, redemption of sin, filling of the Holy Spirit. It, it is the only explanation, and it's all through grace. You know, we, we looked at, at Peter's rebuke. So Paul is somewhat, he's interrogating these, these Christians here and he, he goes through this series of questions with them and he, and he forces them to look back at, hey, look back when you got saved. Look back at how you got saved and tell me, is it law? Is it grace? Now here's what I want, look how far you've fallen from the truth. Look how far you've been deceived and fallen back. And it's just like when we looked at that rebuke of Peter, Peter had gotten a little off track. We talked about it. I don't think Peter meant to. Doesn't change the facts. Doesn't change the fact that he was living one way, went before the Jews got there, and another way after they got there. So Peter was living two-faced. I don't think he necessarily meant to get off track, but he did. I think it's the same way like here with the church at Galatia. I don't think they necessarily meant to get off track. But somebody came in and began to, to tell them something different. And they began to listen to something rather than just read the book. They, they begin to hear the lies. They, they begin that, that slow drift. These legalistic Jews have come in and they, they, they've gotten them off track. And, and Paul is pointing some things out, trying to bring them back in. See, we, we looked at it within the past week or two about how that's what, what um, Paul did with Peter. And that's what he's doing with them. And that's what is required of all of us. When a brother or sister gets a little off track, when a brother or sister is getting out of church and getting back into the world and get out, sometimes you just got to go put your arm around and, 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 and point some things out and, and try to not, not, beat them, not, not beat them over the head. It's not browbeat them. It's, it's not holier than thou. Just put your arm around them. Hey, brother. Hey, brother, what's going on, man? What, what, what's going on? You, you're getting a little more out of church. You're getting out of me. What, what's, and, and find out because usually if, if they're getting out, something's going on, amen? And, and sometimes it's just up to Christians to just walk up beside a Christian and just, just hold on and, and, and be there for them. Verse number six, Paul brings Abraham to their remembrance. 
He, he turns his attention here to, to God's plan of salvation. In verse number six, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him for right, or counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. He said, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. See, Paul points out that Abraham believed, and that was all he had to do to be saved. You, you know, Abraham, that's, that's the real deal to the legalistic Jews, right? Father Abraham, it's all about Father Abraham. Well, well he's pointing out his, his righteousness, Abraham's salvation was based strictly on grace. It was nothing about the law. It was based strictly on believing God. He not only believed in God, he believed God. And he talked with God. And, and God talked to him about the land of promise. And, and God told him that he needed to leave his old life. It's a picture. He needed to leave the land of Ur, his father's house. He needed to leave the land of the Chaldees and go to a place that I will show you, a promised land, another life, another place, a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Leave the old life. Go to the new life. Leave the one of your father. Leave the one of your flesh. Go to the one of your heavenly father, the place that God has prepared. It's a picture of salvation. And that's what Paul is saying. You're hanging your hat on Abraham. You're hanging all your faith on Abraham. And Abraham, he's your daddy. He's the one you want to put everything on. Well, how is he saved? Grace. It wasn't by keeping of the law. It, 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 was by, it was by faith when he turned his back on his old life and he set his sights towards the direction, the things that God gave him toward that heavenly life. And because of that, he became a stranger and a pilgrim in this land. Genesis chapter 15, Abraham reasoned with God. He said, I have no seed. Verse number five. He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, tell the stars. If thou be able to number them. He said unto him, So shall thy seed be. He believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. God, God says, take a look into the heavens. Take, take, take a look up there at the stars and tell me, can you count the stars? Isn't it awesome that God can? He telleth the number of the stars and calleth them all by name. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that he knows every hair on your head that he even cares to know? The ones that are missing, which are many. <laughs> the ones that are still there. Isn't it amazing that the creator of the universe that telleth the number of the stars and calleth them all by name cares about how many hairs are on your head? You think you don't care about our problems? You, 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 think, you think he doesn't care about what we're going through? If we care enough to pray, he cares enough to listen. There's nothing so small that it doesn't matter to him, and there's nothing so big that he can't solve. He just wants us to take time to talk to him. He just wants us to take time and do like Molly and say, I say, Daddy, Daddy, it's just rain, isn't it? It's just going to get me wet. It's not really going to hurt me, is it? 
He just wants us to say, Daddy, it's, it's just, just, just thunder, isn't it? It's, it's, not, it's not really going to hurt me. It's just noise, isn't it? He, he, just, he just wants us to sit down and talk to him. He, he, he's just looking for the relationship. But, but the Jews here, he, he's talking about Abraham. And, and the Jews, they, they held Abraham in high regards. And, and Paul points out to, to these Judaizers, these legalistic, these that are bound by circumcision and by the traditions of your fathers. That's what they call it, the traditions of your fathers. He points out that, that, that you guys are hanging your hat on Abraham. You tell me, how was Abraham saved? Show, show me where he was saved by the law. You can't because he was saved by faith and by faith alone. See, that, that, that one fact, that one fact would have shot down the Jews. That one fact, and you know the Holy Spirit gave him that because, boy, that put the Jews in their place. That put them to scrambling. That put them to looking for answers because they had no answer for that. And, yeah, they couldn't deny that it was true, everything that was there, because it's written Scripture, and the written Scripture is what they hang their hats on. So, so that, that's how Abraham was saved. And that's how all other men are to be saved. Same principle. Now, I got eight minutes. We're not, we're not going to step off here. It, it, Paul, Paul goes on. He gives us three things. He gives us faith. He gives us foundation. And he, and he gives us facts. And I, really, that's probably one whole message in itself. Um, we sure can't do another message in seven minutes. And Lord willing, next Wednesday, um, I'll be where it's 90 degrees and we'll be praying for you guys and hoping that, that things, things around here won't be quite so chill. But I ask you to be praying for us because we'll, we'll be working. We, we got four days to build an entire, uh, entire seven-foot high elevated building, um, roof and all. I don't know. I'd say it probably ain't going to happen, but... We pretty much finished everything we've ever been over there to do before, so I don't know. I know this much. We'll accomplish as much as God wants us to. Um, we'll, we'll do everything God wants us to do, and Lord willing, we'll, we'll touch every person that God wants us to touch, and Lord willing, we'll be touched the way God wants us to be touched. I, I, got, I got great expectations for what God's going to do for 12 people from Faith Baptist Church. I pray that God would use us there. I'm excited about what he'll do. So, so Lord willing, um, I'll be there next Wednesday. I won't be here. The next week, we're going to pick up with, with faith, foundation, and the facts, the three things that Paul um, gives us here in, in next in the letter to the church at, at Galatia. God, thank you so much. God, thank you. Thank you for this precious, precious book, God. Thank you for a love letter. Thank you that before the portals of time that, that you knew we would need a light. You knew that we would need some guidance. You knew that we would need help, that we'd need hope, that we'd need assurance, that we'd need a, a promise. We'd need something that we could hold on to. And God, you wrote us a book. You hand-wrote us a love letter, and you handed it to us. And Lord, you, you converted it into the English language from the Greek and the Hebrew that, that in our own language that we might have your word, that we can hold it, that we can read it, God. I pray you'd help us not to take it just for granted, God. It's not just a book. God, it is precious. It is holy paper. It is holy writing. It's a holy word. We thank you for it, God. Thank you for letting us read it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit teaching it to us, God, and helping us 
to learn more about you. You've been so good to us. We love you and we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we trust you with all that's in us. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.